<clears throat> oh, it is a Thursday affair here on Birds 365. You've got both of the Mackamac guys in the house today. I am Jody McDonald. He is my partner, John McMullen. Oh, you look like you're sprouting up there, John. You <laughs> look like you're growing before our very eyes. We all got to contribute, Jody. Are you fertilizing or are you watering? I got no bloody idea what I'm doing. And I unfortunately am starting to doubt that the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles has an idea what he's doing either. Um, When last we spoke, uh, you were on with us yesterday, heading over for COVID testing. You're looking spry and chipper. So I'm assuming that you pass and you're in good health. And then you got to get a... I don't want to call it a lecture, but uh, an analogy from the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles that just kept me staring at the TV saying, Mm -hmm. did he really go there? Is is that the message that the head coach of the two and five Philadelphia Eagles wants to put forward that they are a little (laughs) flower that is growing here (laughs) in the city of brotherly love? He didn't say little flowers. Well, no. True. He didn't. He didn't emphasize the size of the flower. I assume it's a big, powerful flower. Uh, uh, obviously, look. I knew when he said it, it wasn't going to go over well. But even even I, I was shocked about how people jumped on this, uh, how and how quickly on social media. It doesn't matter. At the end, we went over this with his first press conference. I mean, the issues remain the issues. The issues remain, what the heck are you doing on the offensive side of the football? His messaging, I don't give a you-know-what. I, I think it's ironic if you look at this week. We were talking before the show a tiny bit. You got biting kneecaps against growing flowers. I know which I, – I know 100% which Philadelphia would prefer. <laughs> Although one guy's 2-5, and five, the other guy's 0-7. Right. So technically, I mean – and other, it doesn't matter. You can scream biting kneecaps, blah blah blah, and you can go zero and seven. Is my point? I, I, I don't, I don't know why people fixate on on press conferences so much, and 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 you know alleviate the bigger problems, which are what the hell is going on on the football field. John, you are right, but you are wrong, and I will well, explain. Usually, for you. here's, here's here's the way I look at it, slightly differently than you. Your overall point of what he says doesn't really matter much is accurate. If the Philadelphia Eagles were five and two instead of two and five, people would just roll their eyes and move on if he went through the, oh, I love the growth pattern of our little flower here in Philadelphia. It wouldn't matter. You're right. Because they're two and five, more emphasis is put on it. You are correct in that assumption. But here's the difference between this and his opening press conference. When he did what he did when he was first introduced as the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, he had never done it before. He had never sat in that big chair. He had never had that narrow focused, bearing down on you spotlight that you're going to get as the head coach of a pro football team. So I cut him a whole bunch of slack. Everybody else was, oh my God, he doesn't have the answer for this. What do you mean he hasn't looked at tape? Uh, could he even spit it out? Yes. People overanalyze the first ever meeting with the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I said, much like you just said, when they start winning and losing games, then we could judge this guy. 
what he does in his first press conference will be long gone and long forgotten uh, when we actually start to see the Eagles play some football games. Well, they've now played seven football games, and he's done that many media opportunities, and he's fielded questions <clears throat> from you guys, and he's felt the pressure of being the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's making flower references? <laughs> really? Did he did he not learn since that opening press conference? No, all I'm right. not going to compare I, I yesterday get... with what happened when he was fired. All right, I get the not learning aspect of it. And, and I somewhat agree um, on, you know, you're only making things more difficult for yourself uh, when you do things like that. Although I heard maybe he's playing 3D chess. Maybe he's going to use this to fire up his team. Look, they're laughing at us. I don't think that's the case. I, 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 I do look at it from the perspective of, and I, and I said this on Twitter, and, you know, one of the things, the difference between um the introductory press conference in yesterday the problem with the introductory press he was just he was nervous right now go to my twitter feed it's up there at jf mcmullen you can you can see the whole portion of the flower conversation he wasn't nervous he was very comfortable and and explaining his analogy so that's where i think you know he's calmed down he's settled down he's more comfortable in his own skin. I think that's actually a a vast improvement from the intro, introductory press conference. Not nervous at all. Not reaching. This is the message he wanted to send. So that's number one. We kind of differ a little bit on that. Now, number two is, what the hell do you want as a, as part of the fan base? I'm not talking to you, Jody. I'm talking to I'm talking to Pam. Well, no, you, you hate talk to me. I'm part of the fan base. You hate Andy you, Reid. You can include me in that All group. Right. I have well, no problem I'll, with that. I'll include you. You hate Andy Reid. I got to do a better job. You ought to hate Shane Steichen, who's torturous when he's up there with his stupid coach speak. That gives you absolutely nothing. The last thing I want this guy to do is because, all right, these people are being, you know what, I'm going to just go back in a shell. I'm not going to give you anything. Look, he's got to be himself. He's being himself. I don't have any problem with it. I have a problem with two and five. I have a problem with the offense looking like it doesn't have an identity. I don't have a problem. And guess what? Jordan Mylotta came out. Jason Kelsey came out. Dallas Goddard came out. And they all said, essentially, eh, the message was great. We got it. We loved it. Maybe it is a different generation. You know, in 1975, yeah, you probably said talk about flowers and you know, if Andrew Sandeo was here, the nastiest human being I ever met in my life with his make football violent again hat, yeah, maybe he'd punch him in the face. I don't know. But if Fletcher Cox, you know, I think a lot of people are taking Fletcher Cox, and I, I think these two things are not, are, are not mutually exclusive in that Fletcher's unhappy because of how he's being played in the defensive scheme. And they're taking that and completing that with everyone is unhappy. As I said, you know, Jordan Mailata was raving about it. Dallas Goddard was raving about it. Um, Jason Kelsey, even as a more veteran player, said everything's fine. Um, you know, one guy unhappy doesn't equal 69 guys unhappy. In fact, if you have 69 guys together and one of them isn't unhappy, you're 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 the first you're the first who got that done 
I agree, and I get the point you're trying to make. And I will give Nick Sirianni this. Um, other than Fletcher this past Sunday, um, talking about I don't play screens, uh, it was really the first time that any Eagle player had, in almost any way, shape, or form, questioned what the coaching staff is doing. And that's pretty good, considering they were only 2-4 and four before the beatdown this weekend against the Raiders. So just generally keeping the team together through their first seven games, he's done a nice job. I, I'm not uh, trying to bury Nick Sirianni on where this team is at at two and five. As a matter of fact, again, very uh, individual and personal acknowledgement. I had them two and five when the season before the yeah. season started uh, wins, losses, piece of paper, get it out. What do you see? Two and five. Yeah. So how can I sit here and go, oh, my God, I can't believe the Eagles are 2-5. and five. No, I thought they'd be 2-5. and five. So now, A lot of people did yeah. after this week. Uh, and then the easier portion starts on Sunday in Detroit. Look, if they lose this game, all bets are off against an 0-17. team. And by the way, they have a chance to lose this game. Um, we talked about the Lions a little bit and the fact that and we're going to have Dave Burkett on in a, in a little while from the Detroit Free Press. They've been in a lot of these games. They've been in more games. They've had an opportunity to win more games than the Eagles have, believe it or not. They haven't been able to do it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, there are no moral victories in no. the NFL. The Lions, if there were, the Lions would be leading the league. But um, it is what it is. What I'm trying to say is, you see 0-7, you assume a team that has stopped fighting. Well, Dan Campbell's still got him biting some kneecaps. But, uh, look, it's going to get ugly because nobody's going to add that context into it if the Eagles can't beat this team. And it's going to be ugly for me because I don't buy that context. I know a lot of people buy into it. Oh, they're there every week. Oh, they're right there in the fourth quarter. Oh, they've had a chance to win. Oh, they've been beat by late field goals but they lose. And when you're 0-7, you lose every week. You have not figured out a way to win. And despite the fact that much like, maybe even better so than here in Philadelphia, that the Eagles are struggling, yet you're seeing no fissures in the clubhouse and the guys are all still following the coach's message and they're fighting all the way through the 60 minutes. You're right. The Lions may be even better than that. And I think the Eagles are pretty good at it, but they lose. They always yeah. lose. They find yeah. a way to lose. And I think that can set in as part of the team, too. Uh-oh, what's going to happen? You get to the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. The other shoe. What's gonna what happen? what are we going to do wrong? Yeah. What's the other team going to do right? Yeah. How is this week's misery going to play itself out? That's what I'm looking for on Sunday between the Eagles and the Lions. No, I hear you. I mean, the bottom line is you got to figure out a way to win. And winning is in, uh, you know, it's a skill set. You got to almost learn how to win in the NFL, learn how to finish these games and they haven't done it. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I do look at their games. They're probably two of their games. They weren't in Cincinnati and uh, green Bay early. Um, even green Bay, they, I think they stuck in for a while, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, everything else that they were, was a wild game against San Francisco. They should have beat Baltimore. We know Tucker, um, uh, and, and some people say that should have been a delay a game on top of the 66 yard field goal. Uh, they were in the, against the bears till late. They, they should have beat the Vikings. Uh, 
that was the they got the two point conversion at the end of the game and they gave up a I think it was a 56 yard field goal and then they played really well against the Rams who I think are the best team in the NFC even though they're in second place at least through this portion of the schedule um uh I'm, but you're right I mean if you don't win football games uh and we got to talk to Dan Campbell yesterday in a conference call, and he is an old school guy. And he's like, well, I asked him about that. I said, if you could put your finger on one thing, why you haven't been able to finish one of these games, he said, consistency, there's no excuses. You got to make the play at the end of the game and all that stuff. Kind of coach speak, you know, but, uh, uh, and hey, we go back to the original conversation. Is that what you want? Coach speak or, you know, do you want um, hell and brimstone? What you really want is somebody to win. And I don't know if either of these coaches are equipped to win in this league, but it has nothing to do with press conferences or the way they message um, what they want to get accomplished. You know, one of the things that I'm looking at in the matchup between these two teams, they're both bad. They're not good football teams, two and five and oh and seven. I'm not giving you any great revelation here by saying both teams are pretty putrid. Um, over the course of the seven games, the Eagles are minus 26. And they've had a couple of games where they were trailing by more points uh, than the final score actually ended up being. Uh, again, how much stock do you put into, oh, by the way, a.k.a. garbage time, points and stats and the like. I think you have to look at it in its proper context, but final scores are final scores. The Eagles are minus 26. That's not good. The Lions, despite the fact that people say they're in it every single week, they hang tough. They're just not getting the job done. They're minus 72. That's awful. It's much worse than minus 26. That's well, you why- just brought up the context of that. Like yeah, I I I mean they got blew up blown out by Cincinnati. I I know that they didn't play well. Um, I forget the other game. There were two games really. Um, I just said it too. Uh, but anyway, you, you you're right about and let's use the 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 Raiders game as as a perfect indication. You know, you go down the field, you score, you're up seven nothing, then you give up thirty unanswered. The game's stinking over, Jody. It's over. It's over. The Raiders lose the sense of urgency. They're just trying to get to the finish line. They're playing prevent defense. They're trying not to get anybody hurt. They're trying to get to the next week. They're trying to get out of it. They take the foot off the gas pedal, and the final score doesn't look that bad. Doesn't look that bad. It was bad. They were blown out of that football game. They were blown out in Dallas. They were blown out by Tampa. And Tampa and Bruce Arians made some bad decisions and gave his uh and 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 took his foot off the gas. And they end up, you know, that ended up being a one-score game. You really think that Tampa game was a one-score game? That would they they weren't in that game even for a little bit until Bruce Arians made a few mistakes. That's the kind of context I'm talking about. So if you don't value uh, that context, yeah, it doesn't look that bad. They were not in the Tampa game, game. They were not in the Las Vegas game. They weren't. That's like a moral victory to Understood, me. Understood. But I, 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 I use that context more for evaluating individual players and the stats that they put up. 
Jalen Hurts has a lot of, oh, by the way, stats when the other defense is in almost like regular Philadelphia defensive mode. We'll give you a whole bunch of yards. You want to take a whole bunch of yards? Go ahead and take it. Just take your time doing it. We won't stop you from going in the end zone because we're already up by two touchdowns plus. Go ahead. Take the points, Eagles. Um, yeah. Jonathan Gannon does that whether the Eagles are winning or losing. On well, a that, yeah, that's a, that to me is a fair criticism. I mean, you know, you're going to play that type of defense against Tom Brady. He's going to take what you're giving him. Derek Carr is, you know, not Tom Brady, but he's smart enough to take what's given him. Um, and, you know, until you get to a quarterback, and by the way, that's what makes me – you can criticize Jared Goff all you want, and I usually I'll be in your corner. He's the type of quarterback who, to me, if you're going to play that way against Jared Goff, he's really accurate. He'll take what you give him. And he, he's liable to bite you. You've got to get sort of those Sam Darnold type quarterbacks, young quarterbacks who are still learning shell shock from his time in New York, doesn't have a lot of confidence. Those guys have trouble with cover too. The veteran guys who've done it and seen it and been in Super Bowls and people forget Jared Goff was in a Super Bowl. They're not going to be, they're not going to be rattled by two safeties sitting back in Flint, Michigan. Uh, uh, you know, that's how far they are off the line of scrimmage. Here's the reason why I think the Eagle defense could actually be okay. I'm going to take Jonathan Gannon at his word that they're going to challenge more this week, that he has acknowledged that they aren't playing aggressive enough defense. They're playing bend, but don't break until we break defense that this week he's going to be a little bit more aggressive and give his defensive backs orders to play a little bit close, to get out of Flint, to get up into, uh, what was this point? Uh, Gross point woods. That's where my father lived when he worked for the tigers. Uh, get up to grow, get a little closer to Motown up there with your defensive backs. And Oh, by the way, the lions don't have weapons that scare me. Uh, that that's why well, that's you can get it. if you're, if you're that's trying true. to protect the big against the big play, Who's going to make the big play? T.J. Hawkinson for a 50-yard gain? Their tight end is their best receiver. So, J.G., please, I hope you're listening, take some chances this week. Be a little bit more aggressive. Take it away from the Detroit Lions. I don't think you're going to have to play the price. Now, I love Swift, their running back Philly kid. Uh, talked about him when he was in high school here in town that he was going to become an NFL back. Went to Georgia, had good seasons there, and now, sure enough, he's the man in Detroit. Yeah, he scares me a little bit. But again, that a 50-yarder, you're going to break it off either on a run or a swing pass? I'm not worried about that. I believe the Eagles will play more aggressive defense and not worry about giving up the big play because the Lions just don't have big play guys. Yeah, you're right with that. I mean, this is the first game all year where you can go into it and say, hey, you know what? The Eagles have better receivers. It might be the only game all year where you go into the game and say, you know what? The Eagles have better receivers. They have nothing at wide receiver. They have a rookie fourth-round pick, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Khalif Raymond. I don't even know who the heck they're throwing the football to other than T.J. Hawkinson. But um, they do have two good running backs. So, yeah, um, this is a week. But I'm surprised to hear you say that, Jody, because I like Jonathan Gannon. And I don't have confidence he's going to change. And you got more confidence than me. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I I mean, until I see it, 
I, I'm not going to bank on it. And, but I agree, you should do it. And this is a week where you can get away with doing it, certainly. And here's the reason why. And this is not going to be very complimentary to the defense coordinator. I think Fletcher Cox put him on notice. When your star player, the guy who makes the most money, the guy who's made the most Pro Bowls, the guy who is arguably the defensive leader. I know some people say Rodney McLeod. I think more people look to Fletcher Cox on the defense <laughs> than anything else for leadership. When he comes out and says, I don't play screen passes and did it in a professional way, but kind of puts the defense coordinator on blast. I think you got to respond. I think you got to do something about it. And he decided not to challenge Fletcher. He came in and said, I know where Fletcher's coming from. It's, it's on me. I got to do better. Okay, well, then do better. We'll see if yeah. that happens this week. Um, yeah. Paint me as Mr. JG Optimistic. I think he actually will uh, uh, give them the reins a little bit more to be aggressive on defense. All right, Jody Mack here with you with John McMullen. We are the Mack and Mack guys here on Birds 365. We'll give you Detroit perspective next. Dave Burkett's been covering the Lions for the Detroit Free Press for years. He's suffered through from some tough years. They're suffering even worse than we are here in Philadelphia right now. Somebody's got to win the game on Sunday. we got a uh, Detroit perspective from Dave Burkett from the Detroit Free Press. Next here on Birds Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. call it must-see TV across the nation, but it is here in both Detroit and Philadelphia. The Lion Eagles showdown here to give us a Detroit perspective. He's been covering the Lions for over a decade for the free press, did it in the state of Michigan previous to that. So he's been a Lions guy for quite some time. Hall of Fame voter Dave Burkett joins us here on uh, Birds 365. How are you, Dave? Seen a lot of bad football in my days. <laughs> How are you guys? Everything good? Yeah, how you how you doing, Dave? It's interesting. You know, I'm thrilled to have another Hall of Fame voter. We have Domino on here. Who else we have? Clark yeah, Judge. Gary we, Myers we has been on. Gary Myers. Uh, yeah, we got we got all you guys. So thrilled to have you join the program as well. But before we get into some Hall of Fame talk, we got to talk about what's going on this week in Detroit. And that's too bad. Football teams matching up, but. You know, I got a chance to get on Dan Campbell's conference call yesterday. So, one, I give him credit because, you know, coaches don't have to do that these days. By the way, did you guys get Nick Sirianni? Is he we doing did. those things? Yeah, you I did, did you it yesterday. One of my colleagues did, but great for Nick to do it as well. Yeah. Uh, so, I give those guys credit when they when they do do it. But we've been talking about moral victories. The Lions have been in a lot of games. Should have beat Minnesota. Maybe should have beat uh, Baltimore with, with Justin Tucker. Why, what if you can put your finger on one thing? Why can't they finish a game? Um, talent. I mean, I think that's the <laughs> bottom line of it. It's just that they aren't talented enough right now. I mean, they're they have a very young roster, very thin roster. They were the you know beginning of the season when when they sort of do the roster analysis. I think they were second youngest in the NFL. That's been a big part of their struggles. Um, secondary has let them down. They have no deep threats in the passing game. I mean, they are playing hard. You're right. I think people have responded to Dan Campbell. I think he and his staff um, made up of a couple of former Eagles assistants too, are, are doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're just from a, from a purely talent perspective, they are, you know, near the bottom of the NFL right now. And uh, that's why when they play some of these good teams, they can put a half together. They can play a really strong quarter, but they can't do it for 60 minutes. Dave, we were just talking about it before you came on the fact that, up until after the Raiders game when Fletcher Cox uh, kind of got a little perturbed and noted, I don't play screens, and he's not 100% happy with how he's being used in defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon's scheme, uh, the team had st stuck behind the coaching staff, and they were still believers, and they did go out and play hard, not as well. <laughs> Their roster is not good enough either, much like the Lions, maybe slightly better, but not good enough. Um, but they have stayed with their coach's message. Campbell has done the same. Is this the breaking point for one of these two teams that whoever comes out on the short end of this score, you're going to start to hear questions about the coach's message and uh, what they're actually doing with their teams, the two newbies uh, on the sidelines for both of these spots? Yeah, I don't know. You know, someone had asked me yesterday if they uh... – 
you know, if, if Dan's under the hot seat at all or what would it take? And, and, and I don't, I don't see him as being on the hot seat at all. And I don't think this is any sort of breaking point for the Lions. I mean, look, everyone wants a win and, and they, you know, badly need a win. And, and eventually they're going to need a few of them, I think, to make sure that Dan's message, you know, hits home and, and people outside of the organization start believing. But everyone sort of knew, you know, what this season was from the Lions perspective. You trade away, you know, your quarterback, you're, you're adding draft picks, you're building for the future, you look at the roster. Again, it didn't, you know, take a rocket scientist to sort of see where the Lions were at. So disappointing that they're here and, you know, they had their own little blip against the, the Bengals when they just didn't play well and I thought didn't yeah. play hard. Um, but, you know, to me, um, at least from – you know, appearances uh, where I sit, you know, they, these guys, the organization still appears to be bought firmly into Dan Campbell and his message. Dave, you bring up that Bengals game. What was interesting to me, and you had talked about the receivers as well. This is the first time all season, maybe the only time all season I'll go into a game and say, ah, the Eagles probably have better receivers. Not probably they do. And that we never get to say that here. So I was, I was a little bit interested and, and Dan kind of called out Jared Goff after that Cincinnati game. Uh, whatever he said, needs to step it up more. I'm paraphrasing, but you probably know the exact quote. What, what, what was behind that, especially when you know, a lot of, doesn't have a lot of people to throw to? Yeah, well, and, you know, I, he did – look, part of that, that answer was – he said, you know, people, he was talking about different changes he was making and he was going to consider everything. And, and I think the question was, what, what about Jared? You know, what about your quarterback? And he said, no, no, Jared's our guy, right? Like he's our quarterback, but we need more out of him. And okay. so I think there's a little more context there than, than maybe people realize. And he was hundred percent right. And look, Dan is, I think part of the reason why Dan, why people have responded so well to him is that everything he says and, and does publicly, that's who he is behind closed doors with the guys, right? When, when he's calling Jared Goff out in the media, it's not the first time he's done that. You know, he, he does it in the locker room before before he comes and talks to us. And when he's crying on the podium and getting emotional about a last second loss, that's what he's like in the locker room. When he's angry, you know, after the Bengals game, that's what he's like in the locker room. So I think that, you know, his his passion um, and being genuine, that, that matters a whole lot to people. And as for Jared, look, you know, most people, I think, and maybe the Lions were hopeful that he could be – more than a caretaker they weren't you know locked into him long term but I think most people looked at him when this trade was made and said all right that guy is just he's a placeholder for whoever the Lions are going to draft that quarterback next year the year after whenever that happens so now the Lions they didn't think Jared Goff was they thought he would be a quarterback that could keep them out of this type of situation where they go oh for whatever um, because he's a vet but they haven't surrounded him with much talent. Dave, you did mention a couple of ex-Eagle guys that are on Dan Campbell's staff, and we want to get to that. But first, another ex-Philadelphia guy is DeAndre Swift, who was a high school star here in town before going to Georgia, and have been actually quite surprised that he is getting the ball via the air as much as he is. Because he wasn't a great pass receiver at Georgia. I remember when he came out in the draft, I thought he was unquestionably the top running back but some people say he doesn't catch the ball coming out of the backfield. He's been real good at that. As a matter of fact, he might be their number one passing weapon, uh, Hawkinson as well. But Swift has actually got more balls thrown his way. When did he get over that hump? What made him a better pass receiving running back this year? Yeah, you're right. I mean, those are their, their two. It's not receivers. It's a tight end in Hawkinson and a running back in Swift, who are Jared Goff's two favorite targets and two most productive 
um, receivers. And look, I thought Swift was, you know, I thought he was a good, you know, receiving back coming out of Georgia. I mean, the Lions certainly, the old regime certainly saw him as being that, that multidimensional threat. He did have, you guys may remember the very first game, I think it was last year, where he dropped a would-be game-winning touchdown, you know, in the end zone. So things haven't been perfect in that regard. But the bottom line with Swift is that he is the Lions' most explosive offensive player. I mean, he's the guy that can win one-on-one, you know, matchups in the open field. And so that's what they're trying to do. You know, you, you put him on a linebacker, a lot of times that's a matchup that's, uh, that's in the Lions' favor. And uh, so, you know, that's really how the Lions have, have, have operated. And because they don't have a lot of receivers, you'll see DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams play together sometimes. I mean, two tailbacks essentially on the field at the same time. And that creates some matchup problems as well. Uh, Dave, I, I, Dave Phipp, I got to talk to you about Dave Phipp. Our guy was here for a long time. I, I think he's one of the best special teams coordinators in this league. He's been that way for a long time. The Lions kind of pulled out the stops against the Rams, uh, who's a very talented football team, understandably so, but uh, really successful. You have the opening drive, uh, onside kick, successfully recovered. Yeah, ironically, the Eagles tried to do that against the Raiders, were unsuccessful. You have a fake punt. Is this desperation or is this, you know, combination of both? Dave has really got these guys coming on special teams. How has been the overall outlook there? Yeah, I mean, it's a little desperation. You know, you play a Rams team where offensively you, you can't keep up, so you're doing everything you can to maximize possessions and – you know, two fake punts that they converted and the surprise onside kick last week. They they really did everything they could to, you know, get the off and keep the offense on the field. And, you know, Dave Phipp has done a good job. I mean, Dan told the story yesterday. He said, you know, he was with Dave in Miami under Darren Rizzi. Uh, you know, Dave was the assistant there. And he just said, you know, assistant special teams, you know, coordinator that is. And, and Dan said, you know, he, he sort of, you know, looked at this, you know, bright young guy and, and kind of knew that, you know, the energy that he had and, and, you know, the way that he taught things that he would be a good coordinator. And, and so when he finally got the opportunity last year, he, you know, he was the first guy on his list. And, and fortunately for the Lions, it worked out. I think the Lions have done a really good job in special teams this year. You know, they, they cycled through a whole bunch of kickers in the preseason. They finally found one that is, has, has stuck. And um, obviously they have a really good punter. And so that, that certainly helps too. But, but Dave's done a good job scheming some of those things up. The problem is when you make three of those plays, and they made three last week, and you don't win the game, well, now it's on tape. The element of a surprise yeah. isn't going to be there uh, this weekend against Eagles, but we shall see. I do want to ask you about the quarterback. Uh, you gave us a little bit on Goff and his favorite receivers and what he does. He's a bridge quarterback, and everybody knows it, that the Lions are going to go in another direction at some point. We came in here in Philadelphia basically asking the same questions. Jalen Hurts going to be given a chance, but is he the guy going forward? He hasn't quite grasped the job uh, like the brass ring, and I think Goff has done the same in Detroit. How is that playing in the town with the fan base? How do you think it's playing in the locker room? Yeah, oh, I think it's in the locker room. I think, you know, people certainly like Jared. I mean, again, this is a bunch of – you know, unheralded receivers to begin with, right? And and these are guys that are have fought for their NFL careers or are, are scrapping to hold on in, in some ways. So they've they've sort of, you know, bonded together and give Jared credit. I mean, he was a guy that, 
you know, he led the offseason workouts multiple times. He got, you know, receivers together out in L.A. where he lives, um, you know, trying to get this playbook down, you know, before they, they reported. So he's done some of those leadership things that, you know, that, that you want to see. Um, but I think it's clear to, you know, I've covered the team now for, or years or whatever it is. And I think anyone who sort of has watched Jared Goff from the, the, the summer till now, you know, fans included, like Matthew Stafford was a different breed of quarterback. And so even though I think the Lions were right to deal Stafford and to sort of start this whole rebuild, you know, fresh and new, like that's the type of quarterback that you need if you're going to succeed long NFL. And uh, I think, and, you know, uh, there's not a, a run. Jared Goff jerseys because I do think that they they realize you know the, the lot that he's placed in but I will say this for for him and for the Lions you know I think Jared is oh we lost Dave damn uh, I wanted ah I wanted because I I wanted Dave to continue to tell you how good Matthew Stafford is because I know you don't like Matthew Stafford but the second part I wanted to get with Deuce Staley also and hopefully Dave gets back here but and 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 you know Deuce Daly also, and can we pop Dave back up? Yeah, Dave, I, I, it's hopefully we got you back. Sorry about that, guys. Um, I'm not sure what happened no there. Problem. Yeah, no problem. It happens. Technical difficulties, but um, yeah, two things. I want I want you to tell Jody how good Matthew Stafford is. Number one, but also, and this is a this is. Something probably only interesting to me, but you brought up Jack Box, who's probably the best punter in the NFL. Last year in training camp, Aaron Sipos was up there against Jack Box, and he's come to build up. He's been darn good. I, I wanted to know, probably nobody's interested in this but me. Did you notice Aaron at all? Did you say, because obviously Jack Box is not going to lose to anybody, but did you notice him at all when he was in Detroit? Yeah, I think it was a relatively close um, position battle. I mean, um, you know, Aaron, if I remember right, contracted COVID at the start of camp, so maybe he came in just a slightly behind Jack. I think Jack had the edge for him, um, you know, holding some of those things that maybe Aaron hadn't done in the past. And, um, you know, they both had big legs. Jack didn't really – I mean, you know, it was the first four games is when Jack just started rocking the ball. I remember there was no preseason last year, so – I don't know that we, we quite knew what the Lions had. You know, those are obviously are done with, with jugs machines. But I think, you know, going back to last year, it was a pretty close uh, punting battle in the preseason. And that's why they kept Aaron on practice squad to begin with uh, as well. Um, look, as for Stafford, you know, I've, I've said it for a long time. I mean, Stafford is, um, you know, he, he in Detroit, he was good enough to get three coaches fired, if that makes sense. You know, like he wasn't going to win anything <laughs> in Detroit, you know, certainly not by himself, but he's, he's good yeah. enough that, no one wants to move on from him, right? Because he's a good player. He's very talented. And some of the things he can do, I mean, we taught him this all the time, back older throw that he would make, uh, you know, his his willingness to fit ball tight windows and throw to covered receivers. I mean, those are things that not a lot of quarterbacks can do. So I think you have to appreciate the talent. Um, I do think he was, you know, the Lions didn't win a playoff game in his 12 seasons here. So he was part of that. So um, to me, he's not, you know, a top, three, four, or five, whatever quarterback in the NFL, but I do think he's a very good, very talented player. And he's got talent around him out in L.A. this year, and he should get that first or second or third playoff win. We'll have to see how it plays itself out. I One other uh, guy I wanted to ask you about was 
uh, Panay Sewell. Uh, last year, leading up to the draft, the Eagles actually were scheduled to pick right in front of the Lions. The Eagles were six, and the Lions were seven. The Eagles traded down. Miami jumped up, took uh, Waddle, which left Panay Sewell sitting there for the Lions at number seven, was a guy we talked a lot about. If this guy falls down the board, should the Eagles take him? They're good on the offensive line, but this kid is a special player. How special has he been? Has he uh, shown improvement over the course of the year? I assume that he's going to be their left tackle for years to come, but give us a quick little uh, scouting report on Panay Sewell and his de- de- development. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's been what people would have expected. Um, uh, you know, look, for people who don't know, he played right tackle all of training camp, and, and that's where the Lions have sort of ticketed in uh, to play this season. Taylor Decker, who started the past five years at left tackle, was their guy. He hurt his finger. Uh, right before the the first game, Lions flipped Sewell midweek. Uh, you know he played left tackle in college, but he didn't play the 2020 season. And he's he's been a really good player. I mean, he look he had two um, blips where he gave up a pair of sacks against the Bengals and the Vikings. Um, but other than that, you know I, th- I think he's been strong. Uh, certainly, given the Lions a lot to think about when and if Taylor Decker comes back, at, that you know Sewell looks like the future at left tackle. So maybe it's the veteran that they'll have to move to right tackle. I think you'll see, you know, Sewell still has some, some times when he gets a little sloppy with his technique just because he's used to dominating people athletically. Um, but he's 21 years old. You know, he's he's played seven games in his career. He's going to be a really good player in time. Dave, I don't know if you heard the flower talk from Nick Sirianni yesterday comparing the Eagles to a flower, uh, which is not which did not go over well, as you can imagine, in, in this particular city. Uh, they prefer to have biting kneecaps. Uh, the interesting uh, dichotomy in Detroit is Duke Staley is obviously out there. And a lot of Eagles fans have a lot of love for Duke Staley. He got to interview at least twice for the Eagles head coaching job. Um, he's out as Dan's assistant head coach. And it seems like Dan really takes that job title seriously. Some people just have it as a title. Uh, and, and Dan Campbell seems to, from the outside, really put some added responsibilities on Deuce Staley. Hopefully that gets him uh, headed in the right track for a head coaching job. Your, your early thoughts on Deuce Daly and how Dan is sort of mentoring him and trying to get him to that next step. Yeah, it's tough for us to see exactly what Deuce is doing because so much of it is behind closed doors. But I do think you're right in that Dan sort of came up that assistant head coach route, right? He was never a play caller. He was never a coordinator. He went to New Orleans specifically to learn how to be a head coach, uh, you know, from Sean Payton and to handle some of those things that, um, you know, Sean gave him some responsibilities that just to take things off his plate. And Dan has done the same with Deuce. I mean, Deuce talks to us every week you know, as assistant head coach. So he's got some media obligations. Um, you know, he, you know, puts out fires. Uh, you know, I think that's the way that he phrases it sometimes, right, before they get to the head coach. Yeah. So he's responsible for some of those those small things, I guess, that, um, you know, maybe you don't understand that come with the head coaching position until you're there. So you're right. Uh, Dan and Deuce have both looked at this as just, you know, a, a spot to groom him to be a head coach one day. David, if you don't mind me asking, who were you working for in 2008? 
Um, I was covering the Lions, actually. I was at the suburban chain of papers out here, the Oakland Press, uh, you know, that, that group, Macomb Daily, there's about four suburban papers. So I covered that season. It's my gotcha. first full season. I asked, yeah. The reason I asked for our fans here on Berg 365 who don't quite remember, uh, Lion fans remember 2008 because it was 0 16. Um, Eagle fans might not remember that. So that's why I wanted to point it out. Uh, Rob Marinelli. Dan Orlovsky started more games at quarterback than anybody. It wasn't a good team. It was as ugly as the record said that it was. Has anyone started to make the comparison yet? Is that a story in Detroit that been there, done that? It was only 13 years ago. Could we actually go without winning a game? Uh, yeah, all right, I'm the bad guy. I'll play bad guy. That's okay. I'll make the comparison. Uh, has anybody brought that up in Detroit? Uh, it's funny, actually. I did a mailbag, you know, answering emails and tweets and whatever uh, a few days ago. And somebody had asked me that question, like compared this team to the 2018. And I said, I like that question. I'm going to turn that into an actual story. Um, and it, look, I, I think this team is better than that team. Um, but this team is, is younger, right? They're, again, they, this team had had so many. I mean, they have two of their three cornerbacks are undrafted rookies that are starting, right? I mean, they just are playing a lot of young guys in their defensive line rotation. They've got two rookies and they've got no receivers. I mean, there's pockets where they don't have talent, right? That team had Kelvin Johnson. Um, you know, that team had a veteran quarterback in John Kitna, who the Lions, uh, you know, I don't want to say constructed an injury, but Kitna could have played through the back injury. They put him on IR early in the year. And they sort of went young at that position. And that was part of their, 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 their problems. Um, different expectations too. 2007 lions, they went seven and nine. And so they came into that season thinking like, wow, you know, maybe we got a shot to make the playoffs here. And that was just another disaster. This is a you know complete different situation where we're at the very beginning of a rebuild. So um, I don't think, even though people have started to wonder if, well, are we going to go and 17 and could this be in the cards? Um, I think it's a, a completely different situation. That rebuild actually started in 2009. That's when they got the number one pick of the draft. They took Stafford, and they went, then they went 12 years trying to win and never did. Last one from me, Dave. I, 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 I want to look at this team, and you say they're very young, and, and there's certain players people know. T.J. Hawkinson's a real good tight end. Jody brought up DeAndre Swift locally. Has there been one player that caught your eyes? Penny Sewell, obviously a top-tier pick. Has there been one under the radar young player Eagles fans should be looking out for that maybe can do something in this game? Who's caught your eye for this young football team? Um, yeah, I, th I think there's a couple guys defensively. I mean, the Lions just don't have those blue chip type players offensively outside of, you know, Swift and Hawkinson, I guess, if you, you know, depending on how you view them. But defensively, they have some young guys that will flash. Uh, you know, Julian Aquara. Um, the last two games, I thought he's rushed really well. It's Romeo Aquara was the Lions' best defensive player. Yeah. Got hurt a few weeks ago out for the season. Julian is his younger brother. Didn't play last year as a rookie, really. And, you know, he's he's actually – he's created some some havoc off the edge the last two weeks. And then in the secondary, I mentioned it, they're so young back there. Tracy Walker's a pretty good safety. But they're so young. And, and those two um, undrafted rookie cornerbacks have actually played pretty well. Um, it, Jay Parker, their slot corner is hurt. Not sure if he's going to play this week. Jerry Jacobs will make his third start. And, uh, you know, for an undrafted guy, you can look at him and say, you know, that, that guy's pretty good. I mean, he held his own against Jamar Chase. He got beat on two deep balls 
One of them, he had no help over the top. The other, they sort of stumbled when, when they were hand fighting. But other than that, he, he did a really good job against Jamar Chase. So two young cornerbacks to, to keep an eye on. Dave, can we get you to uh, make a suggested pick on this game coming up on Sunday? Or do you wait till Friday's paper to do it? Uh, any chance? We won't tell anybody, we promise. Um, <laughs> you want to give us a leaning on the game between the Eagles and the Lions? Yeah, no, I, I haven't put it down in paper yet, but I'm, I'm leaning towards picking the Lions. I mean, I think this is two pretty bad teams, frankly. And, you know, I mean, uh, I, I'm not – I don't have this great conviction and it scares me that I think a lot of people will be picking the Lions this week, but I just, I do think they've played hard for Dan. I think the Cincinnati game was an aberration. I think they really are that team that will scrap till the end and not come out low energy like they did against Cincy. And so I think just being back home, going into the bye, um, you know, some of the things that they're starting to do defensively, again, they're not great on that side of the ball, but some of the young guys that are starting to flash, um, I think the Lions win this one close one you know 23 17 I mean somewhere in that area Lions haven't scored more than 19 points since week one so they're not the type of team that's going to take advantage of, of Philly's shortcomings defensively but um this game maybe maybe they they, they crack that that magic mark and, and and you know go into the bye week with a win all right Dave so you got the kids to school safe and sound you opt on birds 365 and you pick the Lions well, two out of three isn't bad. So we, <laughs> we, we appreciate that greatly. Thank you much for coming on board. Enjoy the game on Sunday. No problem. We'll see you guys. Thanks, Thanks Bert, From the Detroit Free Press. Some good stuff there. He had to pick the Lions. I knew he was picking the Lions. I'm not picking the Lions. I think he's right, though. A lot of people are going to pick the Lions this week. More than half? You think the majority of the people, and I know I don't everybody's know. Yeah, got opinion. Yeah. No, I we can't, can ask yeah, who, I can't who Mikey P has here yeah. on the stream. So uh, I, I yeah, know there's I'm, no... I'm talking about you know more national guys, the guys who pick the games each week. I think I think there's going to be a lot. I, I don't know if it's going to be half. It's tough to say half with an 0-17. But I think there's going to be more people – Picking an 0 17 that typically picks an 0 17. You got a point point there. Usually you don't get too many people jumping on the bandwagon of an 0 17. Uh, I am not. I'm jumping on the bandwagon of a 2 5 team with both feet, with confidence, no less. We'll continue to talk about the Lions and the Eagles here on Birds 365. We'll go an Eagle centric guest in our second hour. Johnny Mack and I will come right back to continue talking about Sunday's showdown here on Birds At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, 
Injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Sunday showdown between the Lions and Eagles. Are you even allowed to call a matchup between a two and five team and an zero and seventeen a showdown? I guess so. Do anything. Yeah, why not? It's a showdown. Um, and we thank uh, Dave Burkett, who uh, I had suggested to me as a guest. I had never had Dave on one of my shows before. Damn, he's good. You make a little notation. Very good. We got to have him on again uh, if I need to uh, get a Detroit Lions guy up here. Um, He made a good point in that the Lions haven't scored 19 points since the first week of the season. Yes, they've hung in games. Yes, they haven't quit when they've fallen behind. They've uh, played the entire 60 minutes hard. Not well enough to get a win, but hard enough to get a win. Um, I just looked at the latest line on the Eagles and the Lions. Uh, it opened with the Eagles as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Not a great surprise here. Um, in most outlets, it is still three-and-a-half. In some, it has come down to three. Uh, that is a key half-point, if you ask me. And the over-under number opened at 49-and-a-half. It has come down to 48 across the board, except in a couple of spots, it's 47-and-a-half. Yeah, the more I think about it, even though I'm not happy with the Eagles' defense these days, and I did say earlier, I'm I'm putting some faith in Jonathan Gannon at least tinkering with his defense. Not massive changes, but a little tinkering of his defense. And the Lions aren't uh, an offensive juggernaut. Maybe the under is to play more so than the Eagles is to play this week, that this this game right now has... 20 to 17 written all over it. Yeah, it it does. You would think it would play into 
um, some of the struggles the Eagles are having. So Dave kind of um, leaned me more towards the Eagles uh, by pointing that out. So the Lions are 28th in points per game. Um, so down at the bottom of the league, 26th and third down offense, 25th and fourth down offense, 30th and red zone offense. So they're pretty, pretty consistently bad. The one thing, the one outlier, they're middle of the pack in, in passing offense at 17. Um, probably, you know, a check mark in Jared Gobbs column because he can throw the football at least accurately if you give him a little bit of time. The problem is he's got nobody to throw it to. Um, and, I, you know, the Eagles have been giving up 90% completion percentages, 80%. Dink and Duncan. So maybe it's, you know, Hawkinson, it's Swift. They have to go about it. But there's nothing to hang your hat on with this Lions team. I mean, defensively, it's all their 31st and in, in fourth down defense. Their 32nd, dead last in red zone defense. 25th in total defense. There's nothing to hang your hat on with this team. It's tough. That's why they're 0-7, I guess. Right. It's just the fact that they don't get beat by four touchdowns. You would think a team that's that bad. Although maybe maybe of... the special teams, maybe Dave Fitt. Fitt's getting the job team. done. Well, last week they got three, uh, three. turnover protections. They have the best. They have the best punter in football. Where do you see Jack Box? He's unbelievable. Um, uh, which you know, but I mean, when your punter's your best player, that's that's not a good thing. That's and a, you know, Aaron Seabos has been that way for the Eagles a couple times, at least for a couple of games. Uh, let me ask you a question about Jonathan Gannon's uh, use of players coming up for this Sunday's game. Um, I, I, and I was surprised Dave Fipp, uh well, he was being honest with us, but he said he thought that uh, DeAndre Swift was a good pass catcher coming out of the University of Georgia. I, we have our boy Rick Saratella on this past year before the draft. We started Bird 365 before the draft. I paid close attention to the draft. Uh, and the way that the players are perceived before they're actually taken on the off the board on draft day. I, I remember there being questions about DeAndre Swift and his ability to catch the ball out, uh, out of the backfield. I thought he was easily the number one draftable back. Uh, he ended up, I think he was the second back taken, and I know he was taken in the second round. Uh, I thought he was better than that. But I knew the reason why he slipped was because he wasn't great catching the ball out of the backfield. Last year for the Lions, he had 46 catches. He's already got 42 this year. We're at game seven, and he's all, he's almost surpassed how many catches he had last year. So I stand by my assertion that he is much improved in that area of it. Now, maybe they do a lot more. Maybe it, that he's the number one option coming to that backfield more often. Stafford could sling a little bit, so they didn't ask him to do it. 42 might have been an acceptable number for him last year. But he is much a much bigger part of the offense this season coming out of the backfield. Leads the team in, in receptions uh, by a goodly amount, as a matter of fact. How does Jonathan, go, uh, Jonathan Gannon go about defensing that? What would his base defense, the way he plays defense, if the number one uh, possibility for you to get beat is swing passes out of the backfield to a particular back, how do you shut that down, Johnny Mack? 
Well, I mean, that's part of the problem with the Eagles defense. And we've been talking about the linebackers a lot. And he's been rotating linebackers. Look, I always say linebackers. I wrote about this for uh, Sports Illustrated. Linebacker in the NFL is not a rotational position. There are certain positions that are rotational. Um, you try to find your three-down linebacker, um, really two. Uh, occasionally you play dime and uh, you'll you, you'll only have that one linebacker on the field. But you really want two guys to play the significant uh, portion of the snaps. And Gannon's been using five, really, uh, in different uh, – and that tells you he doesn't have any confidence in any of them. Um, so if you're looking for the pass uh, – um, coverage linebackers, and I use that term uh, not facetiously, but the best of a bad lot is Eric Wilson and and Alex Singleton. That's been sort of the way he's been going about it. It's it's T.J. Edwards and Davion Taylor as the run stoppers, and again, I put all these in quotation, and Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton as the pass coverage linebackers. With Singleton, the one guy who kind of toggles and he does some some of both. And then Gerard Avery is like that BIP guy who comes in when they want to use a, a, a varied front. And they really have more of a five-man front look. And he's not even playing linebacker. So it's been a weird amalgamation. And the bottom line is he doesn't have guys. But if you're looking at the passing game, it's going to be Wilson and it's going to be Singleton and you know DeAndre Swift is probably pretty excited about that would he actually <laughs> throw an extra defensive back onto the field knowing that um not and, a dime and, team right now excuse me we're not a dime team right now yeah that, have they become a dime team that that's part. exactly the way I should ask the question from two weeks ago when he said we're not a dime team, have they become a dime? Have they had the capability of becoming a dime team? Well, they used dime on the biggest play of the game against uh, Tampa Bay, <clears throat> which was that third down conversion to Antonio Brown. Um, didn't work. Uh, more of a big nickel. If they go dime, it's big nickel, really, with a third safety. Uh, and it was Marcus Epps. Problem with that is... <clears throat> Uh, Anthony Harris is still injured, uh, didn't practice yesterday. So no idea if he's going to be ready for the game. And then if you start uh, going deeper into it and say Kayvon Wallace is back, uh, I don't know. Would you well, rather that... have Kayvon Wallace on the field okay. or, or Eric Wilson? Well, I, I'd I rather see... Pick your poison. Pick, pick your poison. Fair enough. Uh, I'll answer your question. Rather see Kayvon Wallace, but if he's not ready to go, continue to be the uh, injured. I'd rather see Zach McPherson. Is is he just completely buried that they have no confidence that they're willing to put him on the field during any defensive snaps? Well, they haven't pretty much for the most part. Um, you know, he's a core special teamer at this stage. Uh, now, it, it's tough to know because you know corner's been one of the spots that they've been pretty good at uh, Darius is having a, a very good year. Uh, Steve Nelson's having a good year uh, as a second corner. Vontae Maddox is having a good year in the slot. So those guys never leave the field. Um, so it's, 
it's tough to figure out if they have no confidence in them or it's just that those guys are playing well and those guys are healthy and those guys aren't getting injured. I It would be interesting to me, it, n- never, I don't hope injury, but if somebody got banged up for a series or two, I would like to see who they would put on the field. I assume it would be Zach McPherson, but remember, they they picked up a couple corners. Uh, now, I, I wouldn't think Tay Gowan would um, – be in the mix this early. Uh, they just acquired him. Mac McCain's been here for a while. Um, it'd be interesting to me. Generally, um, he hasn't been active though, so it's almost has to be Zach McPherson. Um, and look, he was great early in training camp, and then when he started to play with the first and second team, it, it wasn't as great. Um, so. I mean, he's a fourth-round corner. He's probably going to struggle if he's out there. Uh, you mentioned the fact that they uh, could get some relief from the IR and guys could be back this week and potentially play. Um, know that uh, the flowering plant that is the Philadelphia Eagles grab more attention. Than- the roots are there, Jody. You can't see them. Can't but see the them. roots... The Roots are taking hold. The Roots are a group that opens up Jimmy Fallon's show every night, not the Philadelphia Eagles. But um, has there been a Tyree? Has there been a Tyree Jackson making a play in practice sighting yet? Because Howie Roseman sure did talk him up a a ton when he traded Zach Ertz, and uh, we're expecting at some point the return of Tyree. Are we getting oh, you're any gonna closer? See, you're going to see the return of Tyree. Yeah, we're getting closer. They started his uh, uh, window, so they have 21 days, and he's going to be activated. Uh, and we're already into week two, uh, so he's going to be activated uh, this week or next week, and you're going to get to see. We don't. I mean, look, all we get to see is individual work, so we don't get to see any plays made in practice. But he made a lot of plays in practice and training camp, and that's the reason they're talking about him. Um, and, yeah, you're going to get – he's one of the players in the second half of the season. I think they want to get a good, long look at uh, as a potential that they haven't had, really. Even if you think about Zach Ertz, as good as he was as a uh, flex tight end, uh, you know, still has the record for catches. He wasn't that explosive um, down the field threat. And they think Tyree Jackson has the athleticism to do that. Um, they're very excited about the player. Now, I think people are skipping steps with Tyree Jackson. I mean, he just started playing the position. And, I think and, there's and be... when you say people, are you referring to the general manager of the team? Yes. Yes. Well, not only him, but yes. I mean, the way he talked about him, it's like, and then you're putting more pressure on the kid as well, because you're talking about him like he is Darren Waller, who we didn't get to see. And imagine if we got to see Darren Waller. You're completing 90% of your passes to uh, Moreau, and, you know, Darren Waller's not even out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's too much uh too much hype on the kid and you know that's fine coming from outsiders but insiders i think it's a little bit a little bit strange was a little surprising because we surely talked about him because you were impressed by him during 
uh, camp where you oh, guys... can't help but not be impressed by the guy. I mean, right. You're given as much access as you are during camp. Once season starts, you come in for 10 minutes, watch a little individual workouts, get the hell out. We got to put our game plan in place. But in preseason, you got a chance to see plenty and you got a chance to see enough of the young man to say, hey, keep an eye on this guy, Jody. He's going to make the team. He's got a chance to be a player. Um, that was a while ago, but uh, you were well within your right. Now that it has been under wraps for Howie Roseman to speak with him in such glowing terms, yeah, it's going to ratchet up the play, uh, the pressure on the player. Hey, no real quick, way. because I forgot to mention also when we were talking about uh, Zach McPherson, uh, he popped up on the injury report yesterday and didn't practice in, with a hamstring. So that complicates matters as well. And oh, by the way, you mentioned Zach Ertz, not a downfield big play guy. No, he wasn't. And, yeah. Until he got to the Arizona Cardinals, and then he catches 45-yard touchdown passes. He had uh, how many years here in Philadelphia? Couldn't get one over 35. So maybe it wasn't Zach. Maybe it was the Eagle offense that just didn't allow for him to make big plays like he did for Arizona this week. Um, John, uh, again, you guys have limited access, but I'm just asking to give me a vibe. Uh, another day is clicked off the calendar. We're that much closer to the trade deadline, uh, which comes up Tuesday after the game against the Lions. Uh, but you got a full 48 hours after the uh, game to potentially do something. Uh, we all know the Eagles aren't adding. This isn't going to be a beat the Lions. Hey, we're back in this kind of thing. Uh, if anything, they'll probably sell off and uh, move a player for a draft capital somewhere thereabouts. Uh, we've been kicking around here for a couple of weeks as to what the Eagles could do, what the Eagles, in our opinion, should do. Anybody feeling the pressure in that locker room about the potential trade deadline? Um, you mean player-wise about yes. being moved? I I think there's certain guys that would like to be moved. Um, Fletcher. Um, I think there are certain guys who could be moved. Um, Steve Nelson. Um, especially if you lose a game in, in Detroit. Um, but as far as pressure, um, I mean, you know, Andre Dillard is, you know, a potential to go as we, we've talked about. Um, if Derek Barnett's getting a third round pick, he's going. Um, uh, so I, you know, there's the average, uh, the obvious names, not average, the obvious names. I'm sure their agents have, you know, given him a earful and said, eh, that's a possibility. But I mean, it is the NFL. I always say the, the Eagles are not trading four players. I just named four players. They're not trading four players at the deadline. It right. doesn't work like that. Um, Fletcher's not getting traded because of his contract. Um, Derek Barnett's probably not getting traded for the same reason. Um, so, you know, you're down to, you know, how desperate are some of these contenders to have a corner. If they're really, really desperate, they might, you know, they might overpay for a Steve Nelson. Uh, how desperate are these teams for a for a left tackle? If they're really, really desperate, they might overpay for Andre Dillard. And that's how you'll if, – if someone goes, it'll be, you know, if the Eagles can leverage it. And, and Howie's really good at that. And you can criticize Howie for a lot of things, personnel evaluation being number one, which is very important. But what you can't criticize him for, he he leverages trades well, very well. 
Agree on all fronts there. And Steven Nelson could have played a little bit better against the Bucs. Because when I think about a team that is all in for the Super Bowl and has issues at the cornerback position, the first team that comes to mind is Tampa. Shoot, even their new guys go down. They get Richard Sherman off the scrap heap. He plays a little bit. Oh, now he's on injured reserve too. Um, so, yeah, I could see Tampa have an interest in a cornerback, except that they just saw Stephen Nelson. And he's had a nice year. He's been a nice addition for the Eagles. He didn't play that well against Tampa, which is going to make them a little gun shy about picking off. But I, I hope that uh, Howie can move at least one or more two guys. Um, yeah, he waited on Zach Ertz and got a decent return for him. Uh, we're up against it now, so you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it. You think we'll get something today? Think you'll be down there uh, in Eagle Land and you'll get uh, something will be pushed back, delay, kind of like it was to uh, get the Joe Flacco ducks in a row. Uh, that, that'll be the first thing when you get that text that says today's uh, scheduled uh, meeting. You never say never. Time. I'll say this. You never say never with this team. And they might want to take the focus off uh, the flower issue by creating another story. Don't Don't think the Eagles are above that, by uh, the way. Uh, hey, I wouldn't blame them if they if it happened to play that way. All right, one last thing. We're going to have our buddy Chris Franklin from NJ.com join us coming up uh, less than 10 minutes from now. A lot of people are now expanding the conversation about the quarterback position with the Philadelphia Eagles. Joe Flacco no longer here. He was the number two. Gardner Minshew, number three, not activated. You guys hardly ever see him because individual workouts. Oh, he's not getting reps. That's going to be uh, uh, the, the starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Now that he's number two, he comes more into the conversation. You don't think the Eagles have wavered on their commitment to Jalen Hurts as long as he's here, as long as we're not talking about the last couple of games of the season. You don't think that if Jalen Hurts goes out and stinks it up worse this week, than maybe he has in some of the previous weeks that we're actually having a talk uh, conversation. Oh about yeah, I, I've already done. said. I said we're seeing Gardner Minshew at some point. We're, well, we're then, seeing. Yeah, but Gardner. let me let me define. And I know it's basically impossible. But I'm asking you to speculate a little bit. What is at some point? Well, I think if they lose to Detroit, it starts right there. Really, you think yeah. Gardner? You think there's a possibility Gardner Minshew is the starting quarterback? There's a quarterback possibility. Not. I think it starts to enter into that category. Of, okay, well, you know, and I think part of it is, and I, I, I said, I wrote about this as well. I said Joe Flacco was more than the backup quarterback to the Eagles. He was also the buffer uh, between. Uh, no one was going to call for Joe Flacco because of who Joe, Joe Flacco was. He's 36 years old. Uh, he's far closer to the finish line than the starting gun of his career, obviously. No future in Joe Flacco. Um, he was just a, a good backup quarterback that nobody noticed, nobody was going to call for, and, as I said, was, was a buffer between Gardner Minshew, who's 25 years old and has started whatever it is, 20, 21 games, whatever it was, in Jacksonville, had some success statistically, and arguably can do more things as far as running a Nick Sirianni Indianapolis-type offense uh, that can bring in more uh, things to it. And at some point, Nick Sirianni is going to want to say, 
um, you know, I can do some more things. I can, I can, I can put more parts of this offense in if I got a quarterback who can handle it. So if it keeps going in a negative direction, the the buffer is gone. So you know, we, we think about it this way, Jody. We talked about this a lot in the offseason when we talked about more league wide stuff, and we talked about all these coaches, Kyle Shanahan and in San Francisco and, and Matt Nagy in Chicago. And they're, no, no, we want to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. We want to go with, with uh, Andy Dalton. I had to think about who they, who they had in Chicago. Um, and they drafted a quarterback at the top of the draft. There's such pressure um, when things are going poorly to get those guys on the field. And then all of a sudden, all right, we got to go with fields. All right, we're going to, you know, Lance is getting closer and closer. Um, especially when you perform poorly. Now, it's not the same. Obviously, Gardner Minshew doesn't have that kind of uh, cachet, but he's he's got more cachet than the starter. And when you're just keep when you keep losing and you lose to an 0 17, and there's an alternative, who's the most popular guy in any NFL city when 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 you're losing? Backup quarterback. Backup quarterback. And by the way, the personality on top of it, forget about it. Man. Yeah, the Eagles that, started this. That's kind the of Eagles like Nick Sirianni. I don't really care about the personality. Well, I that. don't care either, but it's part of it. Uh, small point. Um, you know, I'm picking the Eagles. I'm rooting for the Eagles. I'm going to make an official prediction here tomorrow that the Eagles are going to win the game. But part of me, part of me is hoping that Jalen Hurts throws two interceptions in his first two possessions. And Gardner Minshew comes in and he throws two interceptions in his first two possessions. And the Eagles just get stone cold crush so that on Monday, the pressure to trade for Tua Tunga Baloa is ratcheted up so, oh, so much. You're going. you're going. All right. Yeah, I see where you're going. So that Howie Roseman, if, if, if it just happens to come down that, uh, that the watching guy gets traded to Miami and Tua becomes available that the Eagles say, now is the time to jump. Now is the time to get aggressive. Take Jonathan Gannon at his word. Take the challenge, Howie Roseman. Get up in somebody's face and make a trade and get to a tongue up below. It's up way the- too early, but I'm going to throw out my early prediction of the Eagles 2022 quarterback. And it's one of two names, Kenny Pickett or Gardner Minshew. Are you excited by either of those two? No, not at yeah, all. Neither am I. So I'm I'm holding out hope for I'm much more excited about the possibility of Tua Tunga Valoa than either of the two guys that you just mentioned. Good I thought, and, and and where we differ though is I you throw a third name, um, I wouldn't be excited by that either. So if you even if you want to throw the third name in there, I wouldn't be excited by that either. I'd be more excited by Matt Corral uh, than either of the two that you mentioned, but I would take Tuatunga Valoa over all of them. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. We've got Chris Franklin from NJ.com joining us next. So please stay with us.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Guys, I'm Bert365, coming up on the Lions and the Eagles. Tell me you got to win on Sunday. I'm leaning toward the birds. McMullen, non-committal, good for him. We had Dave Burkett on from the Detroit Free Press. He's back in the home team. He thinks the Lions are going to get the first win of the year. That's only one of the questions we're going to put to our next guest. You know him. He's been here with us before. Does a great job covering the birds for NJ.com. Our buddy Chris Franklin hops aboard. How are you, Chris? Not bad, man. You know, I'm I'm crazy right now because I look at the dashboard and it's like a four. It feels like football where there's a four in front of the degrees, man. I'm freezing now, man. I'm loving it. Bro. Yeah, it's way, too, it's way too cold. I hear you. What, what happened to having a, a week or two before you could go from the air conditioning to the heat? I'm, that, not, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got to transition a little bit. Now, you can't do the shot go back and forth. My knees, my knees, my back can't take this. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Now, tough question. I'm going to start you out with a tough one, Chris. If 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 you were a flower, what type of flower? Would you <laughs> <be>? <laughs> well, I would like to a rose because uh, there's been times that you asked on my exes, I came through uh, manure to come up and blossomed afterwards. So I think I'll go rose on that one. <laughs> All right, go with the top right. tier. I like Very it. Nice. I like it. <laughs> 
I like um, it. Yeah, John and I debated this a little bit earlier. I'm, I was a little bit more put off by it than McMullen was um, because we compared it to the uh, first press conference that Nick Sirianni ever gave. And I cut him a whole bunch of slack for that because he'd never done it before. And it was more nerds than anything else. He's not nervous anymore. He really believes this stuff that a flower analogy is somehow going to inspire his group of 20 some odd year old men to go out and win a football game on Sunday. I'm just not buying. Were you, did you understand? Did you go, all right, maybe the direction I wouldn't go, but okay, coach, if you say so. I was actually put off by it. How about you? I thought I got what he was trying to say. I don't know, just like a lot of things with his team, I don't know if the execution was there. I thought, like, I feel like this is a horticultural class, right? But I thought if he went, like, <laughs> went more tree, that, I, that would make sense. Like, you know, sturdy, long-lasting, he's been around for a while. I get what he was saying. I don't I don't have an issue with it. I think it, it was – I think he should have had a, something a little bit more sturdy like that tree because – I get the messaging and he's trying to be creative. He's trying to find ways to enlighten things and get this team to look like, Hey, we're playing for the long game here instead of looking at the shirt, the short term and like tune things out. I just don't know about the the flower analogy when it came to that. All right. One more joke, Chris, Uh, who who was between you and Mike K who was the fertilizer and who's the water? I think I know. Oh no. Oh oh, no, no, no. Uh, you know, no. I'll say he's. I'll, I'll go this. I'll say he's the water because he's actually helped me out a lot. Uh, he's, he's helped me grow. Right. I was going to go fertilizer for a <laughs> you're, you're, you're too now, good guy. I, I would have thrown him under the fertilizer, <laughs> but that's just me, Chris. Um, yeah. All right, since uh, McMullen's asking you really tough questions, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you one instead. Why didn't Deuce Staley get the head coaching job here in Philadelphia? Uh, see, halfway through the season, I'm still trying to think of that myself. I thought he's a guy where he understood the city, what I think is a key thing. He's been around football as a, both a player and as a coach, so he knows how to connect with the guys. The, the players, if you ask any of the, his former running backs, they all love him. And I, I just don't understand. I, I know the Lori explanation of, well, he has to go see other – experience other things. I just – I didn't buy. I thought if you have a guy who's a coach in weight, who has the characteristics that are necessary to be a good head coach, why I think he does, for the life of me, I don't. I don't, I don't know why. And it, it's it, it really. I think he's if he gets a chance, he's not going to be. He's not your true X's and O's coach. He's not going to be your true scheme guy. But I think when you look at a guy who, when I look at a head coach, his main job is to inspire. His main job is to get a message across and to be a leader of men. When I looked at those three things, I thought that's what Deuce would have brought as the head coach of this team. Yeah, there was so much counterintuitive going back about that coaching search from Jeffrey Lurie's messaging. We talk about messaging all the time. I mean, think of it. You know, Doug Peterson wins a Super Bowl. He's here. He's entrenched. He's made the playoffs three times. He he. You don't want to give him the autonomy to hire assistant coaches. You give a first-time head coach more autonomy, not complete, but more autonomy to hire assistant coaches. And your reasoning is, well, he's been in more places. Well, Doug was in one place with a successful coach. What do you want him to do, bail to get fired <laughs> so he can go to another place? Now Deuce is in – Detroit with an 0-7 team, all right, he's getting more experience. But how does that – I didn't get the whole search. And 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 now that we're in the guts of this, 
If they if, look forward, Chris, if they lose this game against an 0-17, how, how much does the pressure ramp up on this coaching staff? Did people start talking about one and done? I think a lot more on the outside. I think you'll start to hear a lot more people go one and done. That's just looking at when I'm just imagining with this organization the way it goes. I think they he I personally I think no matter what happens, Sirianni stays and comes back for another season because it will look bad. I think it'll look badly on Howie Roseman and it'll look badly on Jeffrey Lurie, that the guy that they thought of all those candidates that they were available, out of all the interviews they did, the person that they hired was basically flamed out after one year. And I still think, if anything, I think next year it will set up a change when it comes to assistant coaches. I think you would see a more veteran guy. Like one guy I really was curious that wasn't brought onto the staff that kind of knows Nick and kind of knows every, and, and knows a lot of these other people was Mike McCoy. I thought he would have yeah. been a great hiring. We saw him out there at training camp. Yeah. And he would give them that. They, I think this team, the one thing this team is really lacking is a veteran presence as a coach. Because just, I know Sirianni says he, he could reach out to Frank. Like yesterday, he said he could reach out to Frank Reich, reach out to all these other guys. But to have that coach in the meeting room, to have that coach in his ear saying, hey, you should challenge this, hey, you should accept a penalty or not, I think that's rough. I know Stoutland's on the staff. To me, he's he, he he's helped with the run game coordinator before, but I think he just need that former head coach that can – give the overarching idea of what it's like to be in that position. And this team doesn't have that on the staff right now. If Nick Sirianni were to be a one and done, well, they'd actually have to hire someone to replace him. And I can think of one guy, Super Bowl winning coach, by the name of Doug Peterson, who will be available at the end of this day. Just putting it out there for those of you who want to wax poetic about Doug. Uh, but I digress. All right. One thing that we know about Nick Sirianni is – he can beat other first-year coaches. Took Arthur Smith to the woodshed week number one against the Falcons. Is he going to do the same to Dave Campbell this week? I don't. Think. I, I don't think he's going to take him to the woodshed. I think it's going to be real. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think. It's one of those things where Dan Campbell's got this team playing. He's tough because I think when you look at a team, if around like if you're zero and seven, or most teams, you have a you're a player just in like, well. I know we're done, so I guess I'll start looking, getting some tape on it for next year if somebody wants to pick me up, and I'll start looking forward to the offseason go from there. And the one thing I think Campbell's got going is he's really got his players playing really, really hard, and and that's what you, I think that's what you need when it comes to that. But this it can get scary because they, they definitely want their first win. And if this game, I think if this game's tied going to the fourth quarter, I think it will more than the Lions, to the toward the Lions, but I think the Eagles win this game, though. Uh, Chris, the the Eagles traded, obviously, Joe Flacco back up the Jersey Turnpike to the New York Jets. And you sort of have that buffer uh, between Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew. It's gone now. Nobody was going to call for Joe Flacco, 36-year-old guy, 14-year veteran. There's no future in Joe Flacco. So I think from a personal standpoint, I think he was more than the backup. He was also keeping that controversy whether it's perceived or not, away, now you don't have that buffer. If Jalen Hurts continues to go in a negative direction, how quickly do the Eagles start thinking about, well, we got a guy who's got 20 starts under his belt. He's put together some decent numbers. Maybe we can do a, a, a few more things offensively. How quickly would that start? Personally, I think... I think overall, personally, I think it's like a 20% chance Minshew gets in there. And the reason why I say that is 
you look at the way the back end of the schedule. How much are you really going to learn about Minshew going against that easy, easy part? The supposed, I would say, the supposed part of that easy schedule. And I'll say that Hertz hasn't been. Has search hasn't been as accurate as I thought he would be at this point in the season. I thought he'd see a little bit more, a little bit more progression in that aspect of the game. I think he still shows flashes at times of being a starting quarterback in this league. And I and I know he's going to eleven. He's only had eleven games to basically be an NFL starter. If it's not the only time I think you see Minshew comes in is if he can turns the ball over like the, for the next two or three games he turns the ball over three or four times. He really, really regressed, continues to complete 52% of his passes, and the offense just looks completely disjointed. I think some of the stuff that reason why he's looked disjointed, I think some of the play calling is not helping him. I mean, when you throw at or near 60% of the time on first down and you have a guy who's having accuracy issues at the moment, that doesn't put your offense in a very good position, and you start looking and you set yourself up for second and long, third and longs, and you got to throw more. And that's why I want to see – I know they're not the biggest backs, but Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, I want to see them get more involved to help out Hurts. But when it gets to Minshew again, I, I, I don't foresee him coming in unless he either Real is quick follow-up, though, Chris. Yeah. You point, you're not going to learn a lot about Gardner Minshew. Probably correct against the Jets and the Giants. And we talk about the bad teams on the back end of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Could you learn something about Nick Sirianni, though? I don't think so. Too. I don't think that's the case too, because unless he has this whole other side of the offensive playbook that we're not seeing, I mean, we'll probably see a lot trying to do some RPOs with Minshew, and I think. But I don't think you learn something that, from that, though? Don't you learn if he can't change with a different quarterback, then you learn, or or not? Maybe from my perspective, then you learn. Okay, this offensive coaching staff is. Uh, that's that's not good. If you can't change and add some things with a different quarterback, you know, learning can be you learn something good, you learn something bad. You might be learning something bad, but I think you would learn something about the head coach if he can't add and sprinkle some things into the offense or am I completely going down the wrong path? See, I think it's more that I think even with the play calling itself, even with Hurts or Minshew, I don't think it's going to improve that much when it comes to there. I, I just, when I look at the way when, he, even if he had Gardner in there, and even if you, he can't develop that way that much too. And I mean, even with him, I don't even know that way. I think you, if anything, you would probably have to learn it by bringing somebody in next year when they have a full offseason. Because if you bring in him now, or if Reed Sinet, if Reed Sinet somehow gets in there and he starts writing it up. <laughs> Reed Sinet. Oh, that way too, but I, I just don't. I just don't see that much. I don't think we learned that much from Sirianni because, because I don't. Th- especially when it comes to like the penalties, like the penalties and, and some of the route, some of the routes run or got these guys run out. I just don't see it that much when it comes to like. I don't think you learned that much when it comes to Sirianni. Here, here's the problem with the conversation we're having. You guys are talking too much about quarterback. The Eagles this weekend will be ground and pound. They started it on Sunday. <laughs> it was going Miles Sanders' way. Then he got hurt. That's unfortunate. If I told you that Boston Scott was getting 15 carries this week, would you tell me I'm nuts? Yeah, because it's not the Giants. Just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but where are the Giants? I was. Yeah. <laughs> but I I can see see. 
I think this I think this coaching staff really loves Kenny Gangwell, and they're going to give every chance they can to make sure that he gets some gets the ball as much as he can with Sanders out. I want to see what he does. I, he's not the biggest guy. I want to see what he does between the tackles because to me, it becomes kind of predictable when he's in there. They're going to run. It seems like they're going to run an outside zone. They're going to run a swing pass or try to get him some involved somewhere in the passing game. I want to see him run right up the middle, right up the gut behind this offensive line because. To me, it's almost like a Darren Sproles type thing. You get him behind that offensive line, especially that left side. If you get him behind Landon Dickerson and Jordan Maialata, try to find him. I, I want to see him do more of that one. But who knows? Maybe actually line up Jack Stoll or somebody as a fullback and actually use that one. That would be issue. I think if that happens, I think there might be an earthquake in Detroit. But yeah, ground it down. I mean, <laughs> it's just not going to happen with this franchise, this coaching staff. Hey, maybe if Deuce was the head coach, but Deuce is going to be on the other side of the football. <laughs> now, the guy who took Nick Sirianni did Jonathan Gannon, you could tell they're really, really good friends because he did him a great favor by taking all the heat off him by yesterday's press conference. But Jonathan Gannon uh, was the coach taking the most heat coming off the Las Vegas game. Um are we going to see any changes there against a Detroit team with no receivers? This is the first time all year, probably the last time all year, Chris, you're going to go in the game and say, well, the Eagles have better receivers than the Lions. Yeah, They cannot throw the football outside the numbers. Why do you have to play the safeties in, in Flint, Michigan? Why? Why? <laughs> Are we going to see more challenging um, as as both Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon said. I think this is the game you finally see Slay and Nelson play a little bit more press coverage because I think this is, is clamoring for it. it. It really is. And I, for for life of me, I don't know why they don't do that. I mean, you're. I think to me, when I look at Darius Slay, his best asset is being able to go look inside whoever their best team's receiver, just go, you know what, I'm taking you out. You're not going to catch the ball. And he – He's physical at the, within that five yards, sometimes a little further downfield, but he's physical along around the routes, and they haven't done that. And when your defensive line is having issues the way they are right now, trying to continually get to the quarterback, where you only have of your 11 sacks, you have Javon Hargrave getting six of them, so you have issues getting to the quarterback. I think that's a way to slow down and help that pass rush because if you bring them up, you slow, you just throw the timing off of routes and you let your def- def- defensive line get to have a chance to get home and. I think you'll see a little bit more tweaks when it comes to. I think he'll let them. I think he'll let those guys play a little bit more because you don't have that threat. I wouldn't mind seeing an extra safety come. And with that, I wouldn't actually mind saying, "Hey, you know what? Stop going with the two deep. Bring a safety up a little bit more because the Lions are probably going to try to run the ball to get out that way. And who, lo and behold, you have an extra safety go help out in, in, in support, run support. So I think you'll see a little bit more. I wouldn't be surprised to see Avante Maddox try to blitz once or twice to try to make mix things up and try to get this defense back on track, but they need to do something because it's been, it's been a rough uh, four or five weeks for that unit. Despite the fact that I'm rooting for ground and pound and I don't have a lot of faith <laughs> that that's the direction they're going to go uh, for several reasons. Number one, as John pointed out, this is Jeff Flory's organization. We'll talk, we're talking about who wants to pass it on almost every single down. Number two, we had Dave Burkett from the Detroit free press on, and he did note that, you talk about young, uh, the secondary right now for the Lions, the three cornerbacks starting slot inside, outside, two undrafted free agents from this past year's draft and a fifth round draft pick are their starting cornerback as of right now. 
Um, is this the breakout week for the Eagles' young wide receiver core? If they set up, it goes a little bit too. If they at least show the throw a run, not I don't say they need to run 20, 25 times, but if they at least show run early on, you can be had. They can be had when it comes to a play action pass game because. Especially when the cornerbacks are young, you're looking back more toward the backfield a little bit more, trying to see where everything is. You're more susceptible, especially with the speed that these guys have. This, there's a chance for the play-action pass game to work really well. You saw when they got it set up early on what happened when Dallas, earlier in that Vegas game. Dallas Goddard was able, was got some separation on there. You saw other things start to open up downfield. So I think this is a time where if, even if they show it for the first couple of drives, it'll at least – give credence that they're actually willing to run the ball. And then that's when you start to play action. I think that's when you see, I think Devonta Smith and Quest Watkins will, and even maybe Jalen Rager again as well, too. You'll see them have a decent day. Um, The Lions have been in a lot of games, Chris. We talked about that with Dave as well. Um, They lost to Justin Tucker on a (laughs) 66-yard field goal that might have been a delay of game on top of it or should have been. Uh, they lost to Minnesota, I think, on a 56-yard field goal, maybe. Um, they had just converted the two-point conversion. They've been in a lot of games. Uh, are the Eagles going to need a 56-yarder from Jake Elliott to win this football game? Is it going to be close? Is it going to be a one-score game late in Detroit? I think it's going to be a one-score game, but I think by then the Eagles are pretty playing up. I think it's they win by at least six, but – they're going to have to hope it's not on that right hash because if he was on the right hash, Elliot's pushing it to the right and they're going to overtime. <laughs> it's, it's something about, I don't know, that area where you get that, but he's done better. I'll say, I'll give Elliot this. He's done better than I thought he would, especially after last year where he had that, 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 that I'll say, I'm saying, I don't he had a horrendous year for his standards. It, he just missed a lot of easy kicks and extra points. And if it's from, if it's from, I'll say this, if it's from 56 from the last hash, they're winning this game. If it's 56 that right hash where we're on, if yeah, it's fifty-six, I'm confident. If it's forty, <laughs> if it's thirty-nine, I'm not as confident. And Jake Elliott, weird. <laughs> I, yeah. It's one of those things where he's like, "Hey, listen, just you just keep them like earphones on, a blindfold on, kick them on the sideline. Hey, you're going out for fifty yards. Okay, time to go. Oh, oh, wait, I got extra time. <laughs> so it's extra point. This different distances can become a little dicey, John's Right about that. All right, uh, here's a an optimistic point of view. Do you believe that Derek Barnett? can actually get a tackle for a loss or, God forbid, a sack this week to make himself that much more tradable after the game on Sunday, Monday, before the Tuesday trade deadline. Because we had one media guy on CBS Sports suggest they could get a conditional third for him. John and I both laugh at that. Uh, I just want something for him. I'd like to see the Eagles flip him for whatever the hell they can get their hands on between now and the trade deadline. Will he make a play or two? to add to his value so that if someone is contemplating actually says, Ooh, I got film on it. Yeah. Let's, let's give up that draft pick to get Derek Barnett for nine games. You can get there. I can see, see the thing with Derek Barnett. I can see this happening. Derek Barnett will get a sack and then either he was be called because he was offsides or he committed <laughs> a roughing the passer or unsportsmanlike penalty. But when it comes to him, I can see it being, I, I, I wouldn't give, if I'm another, I'm shocked that somebody thinks he get a conditional third. Cause I just, he has nah, talent, but he's, does, nah. he's not consistent enough. If you if you got even got a fifth round pick, just to plus get you put the contract round, on top of it. Yeah, yeah. I think the the benefit would be you gain the contract space, you can roll over for next year. That's the only reason 
Well, I really, I think I don't see him resigning here. I just think you do better. I think you have a better shot of going into draft and trying to get somebody else instead of bringing him back because a he see he has that penalty issue and b it's not consistent. Like, and I'm tired of hearing about yeah. the bend. He has this physical attributes to do stuff, but he doesn't consistently show it. He can't do it. If they get a fifth, if they, I, I'd be happy if they get a fourth or fifth round pick from. They, I think they should jump on that, but I doubt that anybody's going to do that. And a conditional third. Whew, I, yeah. I mean, if they, somebody did do that, it, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> you celebrate. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Tuesday is looming, though, Chris. Um, if there is another Eagle, when, then we've already seen some movement to this point with Jack Ertz and, and Joe Flacco. Uh, Who's most likely to go? You have Barnett, you have Andre Dillard, you have more under the radar. I think Steve Nelson should be a guy who other teams should really be looking at because he's cheap. Uh, He's playing at a pretty high level. Uh, Most likely eagle to go by Tuesday. You get my guy, Steve Nelson. And I'm putting two, and the one I'm putting behind him. Is just in case they know they can't sign them, and they're going to be very, they're very, very far apart for contracts. I think you have to think about Vontae Maddox as well too. Both are free agents for next year. You've started stockpiling all these cornerbacks, Tay McGowan, Mac McCain, and you have all this. Uh, you have Zach McPherson still back there as well too. You stockpiled all these young cornerbacks. Josiah Scott. Says, Josiah Scott. Yeah, you forgot about him because. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so you have all this uh, corner, young cornerback talent. You want to see what you have before you go into next year's draft. And so I think a guy like Steve Nelson, a guy who's a veteran, who's played in both zone-heavy and man-to-man heavy defenses, you can never do without too many good cornerbacks, especially with the way of passing league. Because if, if I'm a team that that's on pace to potentially play a team like the Cardinals, who have all those rec- – receivers, including now Zach Ertz, you're going to need all the the best secondary guys you can get. So I can see – I see one of those corners potentially go. I think – I think Avanti Max are going to try to work out. I don't think they're fall apart, but I wouldn't be surprised if they said – Avanti goes – if Avanti's agent goes, oh, I want four years and some $60 million. I'm like, well, we're not, I'm not saying say that, but uh, we're not paying that. Okay, yeah, that way too. But. They work out things with Dallas. They'll work out things with Avanti. Oh, yeah. Or vice have, versa. Yeah. It's like Tobias Harris and uh, Boban. You can't yeah. literally like, separate. You can't separate them because we do like is this that's weird. Yeah, team John keeps saying this. They'll work things out with Dallas. They'll work things out with they except will. they haven't worked things out with Dallas. And I think he's getting more and more expensive. He actually had a nice game last week when Zach Ertz wasn't around to suck up some of his uh, potential catches. How expensive is Dallas going to get? It's for, for I think he's going to get like even a fit around the average around franchise tag number or I think he's going to get that much because when you have a young a tight end who's able to not only run the routes who can run after the catch and lo and behold I think this gets lost now especially when it comes to tight end play but can block in a really good block really well too when you have a guy that's able that's can contribute in those that many facets of the offense it's going to be pretty expensive and I think the Eagles knew that so that's why I think they're still really trying to save a lot of money to make sure and get set for that. I mean, I know the cap's going to go up again next year and they have, they'll actually have Wentz's number coming out of the books and they'll roll over this money that they have this year. I want to say like last I checked and it's been a while. It's like, it's like 16, 17 million. They'll roll that over. So I think they're, they know what they have. I think they're really trying to get that, but 
Dallas Goddard is going to cost. Yeah. It's going to cost a lot. <laughs> hey, Howie Roseman said it. There will be no discounts on Dallas Goddard. It's going to be north of the franchise tag number. But Jody, they could put the franchise tag on him. He's not going anywhere. So don't worry about that. Uh, Chris Franklin, thrilled to have you. You see the Twitter handle at Chris Franklin News right there. Read them at nj.com. I got that right. Tell Mike K. I got that right. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's always great. That's yeah, if you go there, it, it, it redirects yeah. you to something really weird. Health thing. I don't know why New Jersey.com does. I don't know. They buy it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let it be on the record that both. Myself and John McMullen were ready to go with you as water and Michael K as fertilizer, but yeah. you made yourself fertilizer, yeah. Franklin. So that's on uh, you. We got clean hands on this. We don't have to dig into the Nick Sirianni ground. You put yourself in there, buddy. So my selections have been the other word for manure. So yeah, that's about it. For that's what I'll take. <laughs> Chris, great stuff. We appreciate you coming on. You know we're going to tap into you again. Uh, go help get the Eagles win. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Always fun talking to you guys. Thanks, Chris. Franklin from uh, NJ.com here with us, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. All right, we've got a solid 10 minutes left. Uh, we're not <laughs> going to officially go on the record and make a pick in the Eagles-Lions game. We'll save that for tomorrow's version of Birds 365. Oh, but you already know I'm picking the Eagles. That's just question is by how many we'll come back uh, give you a couple more parting thoughts on uh, this edition of birds At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mega Mac guys here with you on Bird Street to the five minutes for the ball and show. I don't know how many of you Thursday edition. J Mac, uh, we started Birds 365 back in April. How many shows? Uh, today would be show number 144. 144. All right. Not a bad. Uh, always, always, always ready. I've been We're always impressed well. by that. You got it. Um, prior to, how often did you make appearances on the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel? A lot. A lot. At least, at least once a week. Often okay. twice a week. Okay. I've been on it a while. Those guys, those guys are down on me. But I'm okay. usually not. I'm not home. All right. Area. Are they down on you? Or are you just less available? I'm less available. I'm, I, it's a little from column A and column B. Okay, fair enough. In the I want to go. I want to go to column. I want to go to column C uh, for our guys on the middle who are coming up just over an hour from now. We are on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I did read our buddy Eight Times' latest column on philly voice and he is suggesting that the eagles at two and five are two and five because they want to be two and five that this is pre-planned that this is a tank job by the philadelphia eagles now we here in philadelphia know what tanking looks like we saw tanking firsthand we saw the process with the philadelphia 76ers and that, to me, was quite obvious. Oh, yes, we're not only not attempting to win games, we're working hard to lose games so that our draft status escalates. You don't think Gaetan really believes that, do you? I That's hope a not. hot take to get attention. He doesn't really believe they're actually trying to lose games. I know Jeff Laurie said this is a transitional year and they look like a transitional team to me. But there's a difference between transitional and flat-out tanking, at least in my dictionary. Uh, you don't think the Eagles are tanking, do you? No. I think people get caught up in the moment. It's like you said, when we when we started this show in the offseason and we had more time to talk about the league and bigger picture issues, um, and we said we thought the Eagles had a chance, we both kind of said, we thought the Eagles had a chance to be better than people thought because of the offensive line, the defensive line. I think we both had them at eight wins. Um, I think we both started at two and five, to tell you the truth. Yep. Um, that it was the schedule. It was this portion of the schedule. They were going to have a real difficult time beating the teams they lost to. Um, I think you, you actually, I had them losing in Atlanta. You had them winning in Atlanta. I forget. I think I had a beating San Francisco early on, um, and that's where the disconnect was. We had them. I think we both had them beating Carolina and losing to everybody else uh, to this point, um, which is how it has shaken out. So what's changed? Well, the only thing that's changed is it's looked pretty ugly. 
the style points, the, you know, we talked about it from a Detroit perspective. They're close, but they don't win games. Well, the Eagles have been getting blown out and garbage time yardage, and it hasn't looked pretty. It hasn't looked like that rose that Nick Sirianni wants to grow. It's looked more like the fertilizer uh, to that you need to get that rose to grow. Uh, it's looked like shit. <laughs> and that is what has changed. They're not trying to look like that. Um, they look like that. And and they're, I have more concerns now. But most of them, bottom line, Jody, look, Brandon Graham got hurt. They, they have missed Brandon Graham. Uh, and, and on the offensive line, they had all the issues. Uh, Lane Johnson uh, aside, way. the personal issues. You get Brandon Brooks hurt again. You get all the movement, all the shuffling. Isaac Samalo's out for the year. Um, injuries are part of the game, but we always said, barring injury, they have a chance because of the offensive line and defensive line. Well, guess what? They got hit with injuries to key players on the offensive and defensive line. So maybe it doesn't look as good as it could have been, but no, they're not tanking. My long-winded answer. Here's where it's gonna skew for me from what I thought at the beginning of the year through practices, through preseason games. I really did think the defense would be better. And surely subtracting Brandon Graham from the uh from the equation injury, has man. had a major negative influence on that. But I still thought they'd be better defensively than they have been. And yeah, I point more of an accusing finger at Jonathan Gannon uh, than anything else. But uh, I will see if they pick it up this week. This is a week that they can pick it up because the opposition just is not that good. They're not a good offensive team. By the way, add- real quick, I want to get this in because I should have said this earlier. I saw Brandon yesterday, Brandon Graham. It's going to be off the rollabouts uh, uh, soon, like within a couple of days. Uh, and he's expecting to be back uh, in June, uh, ready to be 100% medically cleared by June. Um, and I joked, I said, man, they miss you. And anybody who's ever met Brandon's got a big personality. Yep. And he just laughed and he said, that bought me another year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sad but true. Brandon's <laughs> nobody's fool either. He he uh, comprehends the way the National Football League works. Um, but you saw just happened to run into Brandon Graham. We know he's not playing. He's done for the year. They had not said that uh, Brooks was done for the year. There no, was he's, a possibility- he's supposed to be back, but that was a, a pretty significant injury. It was going to be two months at least. So, but they expect him to be back at some point but uh, still no clear uh, timetable on that. But, yeah, it's going to be a significant portion of the season. So, okay. um, But they expect him to be back at some point. It's okay. not a season-ending injury. And that would be nice because the Eagles um, – and from time to time that a guy go on IR, come back. We're hoping for a Tyree Jackson development here in the next week or two. It would be nice to get a big-name guy back like uh, Brandon Brooks could help them to get to the eight wins. I'm still not giving up on eight wins, Johnny Mac. We said eight wins. I still think it's an outside possibility. I have not moved off that yet. Hey, you start the schedule with 0-7 this week. Uh, I mean, yeah, you got to find a way to win that game, Jody. Yeah, they they lose on Sunday. Yeah, I'll, 
I'll officially throw eight wins over my shoulder. All right, buddy boy, you ready to uh, be back here in 22 hours? I am not quite ready, but I will be here. When are you taking off for yeah. Detroit? Uh, Saturday afternoon, 1.30-ish right. on a Any... crop duster, I believe. Small Any... plane. Always cross your fingers. He's got to explain to his wife why he has to go because it's kind of his job. Football does play on Sundays, and John's going to be busy covering the Eagles and the Lions, but not before he joins us back here on Birds 365, 22 hours from now. Have a great Thursday. Be here for Football Friday, guys. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.